Um, this morning, we're just going to kind of be, this is a, a message God laid on my heart a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing, and it's from Isaiah, um, but it, it speaks of the new, which is kind of your traditional Christmas, or Christmas, I've said that I don't know how many times this morning, but your traditional New Year's Day, right? Something new, the new year. And uh, to start off with, Walt Disney was cre- credited with the saying, um, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And it's kind of the time of the year where we sort of sit down and we kind of take inventory. And uh, I've been, my Facebook page has been lots of leaders saying, you know, do this, stop at the end. And, and uh, one leader said he takes the whole time off between Christmas and New Year's and just totally goes away and just rethinks his entire year and says, God, what are you speaking into me for this upcoming year? So it's kind of an opportunity to stop and to think about that. And another person, Nancy Adler, kind of jumped off of that saying, and she said, to me, it's kind of like a hot air balloon. The balloon is lifted up and full of hot air and ready to take off, but there's all those sandbags that kind of attach it and keep it down on the ground. And in the new year, we're all wanting to be new physically, to be new emotionally, to be new spiritually, to say, God, these are my dreams, these are my hopes, these are my visions. And sometimes they've been bashed in 2022 or they've been bashed 20 years ago, and God comes to us and says, you know what, bring that back to life. And the balloon is still there. The balloon is still inflated. The balloon is still ready to take off in this new year. Yet we're kind of afraid to let go of that sandbag, right? We're kind of afraid to let go of the things from the past. We're kind of afraid to let go and just say, God, I'm going to go. And I don't really have the steering wheel on this hot air balloon. Uh, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. God, am I going to let go? Am I going to just soar into what you've called me to do and where you've called me to go? And when we look at Scripture, God does new things. And this morning I'm going to talk a lot about new, but I want to preface it with this, that I'm not saying everything from the past is meaningless. And everything in the past does not need to be dealt with. Sometimes there's things in our past that we need to face up to, right? There's things in our past that we need to come to and say, God, I need to deal with this and I need to get it behind me so that I've dealt with it and not get it behind me so that I'm just trying to hide it from everybody else. Some of the things Pastor Mike talked about over the last couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making that smaller. And the Bible talks of God of the ancient of days as well. An everlasting God we sang this morning. Not just the God of here and now, but the God of history the God of the future, the God of tomorrow, the God of a thousand years from now, if whether we're in eternity or whether there's more generations to come after us, is the God who is here right now in this instance, in this moment, working in and through each and every one of us. In Isaiah the prophet, we hear God prophesy to the, of the Savior to Israel. And the people are in Babylon So sometimes we pull scriptures out and we take them out of context and we just take them out of where the people were. But they were in captivity. And God is actually speaking to them through the prophet in chapter 42, verses 18 to 25. And he's actually rebuking them for being deaf and blind. They couldn't see the future. They they were there because of their past. But the prophet kind of turns his lens a little bit. And in that chapter, he's rebuking them and he's saying, you know what? You're deaf and you're blind and you're not doing this and you're not doing that. But then he kind of turns the focus a little bit and says, but don't get stuck there. Deal with that. Put it behind you. And then we read in verse 43, verses 18 and 19, it says, Remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago. 
consider not. See, I am doing something new. So they're in Babylon. And God's saying, you know what? The winds are changing. It's going a different direction. The people have been repenting. The people have been coming back to God. The people have been dealing with some of the things that Pastor Mike spoke in his last series of three different things. He says, see, I'm doing something new. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And the whole chapter, just to give you a little bit of background, I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. The whole chapter kind of leads up to that. In the, in the chapter in verses 1 to 7, it speaks of the Lord will redeem his people. He says, fear not. And why? He says, fear not because I have created you. I am your redeemer. I have called you by name. You are mine. I am with you through the water and through the fire. God's saying, you know what? I'm with you in the midst of the struggling, of the suffering. When you're being deaf, when you're being blind, I'm there with you. I'm walking beside you. I want you to open your heart. I want to open your mind. I want to set you free for all the dreams that I've placed within you. God says, what is Egypt and Ethiopia, the powers of the day, compared to me? What is the province? What is the government? What is all of this compared to God? God is challenging them. Babylon has brought you into captivity. But what are they compared to the living God? True believers are precious in his sight. And then verses 8 to 13, the Lord declares his sovereignty. He says, idols have no common sense. It's misplaced worship. It is worship, but it's not worship that's placed in the proper place. People are called to either prove their case. God's fairly forceful in some of the scriptures. And he says, you know what? Prove your case for what it is that you have against me or accept me as God. God's people, it says, they know the power of his grace. Is there a few people that could say amen to that? The grace of God. We sang about it in that song, his reckless love just coming after us. And he's always there. I've heard it said many times that we can walk as far away from God as we possibly go. And it's not that I have to walk way back there, get back to God. It's one single turn, and God is there because he's been following us. He's been walking with us, no matter whether we've been walking away or walking towards him. Sorry, camera people, should I point when I walk off the... <laughs> Peter was falling asleep there. I'll try to walk a little bit more and keep him awake. Um, the power of his grace, the sweetness of his comfort, kind care of his providence, the truth of his promise. And then you get to verses 14 to 21, which we're looking at this morning in 18 and 19. It says, the Lord will do something new. He's speaking of the deliverance of Babylon and is foretelling, foretelling prophetically, looking towards the day of the redemption of the sinners by Christ, conversion of the Gentiles, and recalling the Jews. And one other thing, just before we're going to look at three quick points this morning, that I like to go back and I like to, nowadays you can just go to Bible Gateway and pull up a scripture and you can say, I want that scripture at every single translation that's ever been made or every single paraphrase that's ever been made. And you can read that one verse in 20 different, different ways that people have translated it that kind of says the same thing, but it sounds a little bit different. And sometimes there's a little word in there that just jumps out at you. So verse 18 in other, some other translations says this. Remember not the former things, things of old. Don't ponder the things of the past. And when I think of ponder, I think of sitting down and woe is me, that kind of thing, and just getting into depression and just kind of like, oh, that was so bad. That was so bad. Just pondering and just going over and over and over and get. Or he speaks of victories in here too. Don't ponder ancient history. Stop dwelling on past events and brooding over times gone by. 
Don't, reveal, don't revel only in the past and spend all your time recounting the victories of days gone by. That one kind of jumped out at me too because often we just think of the past as all the bad, but we can think of the victories too, the good things, the awesome things that have happened, the things that have God have done, and we can live in that past, right, and not say, you know what, God wants to do something today. God wants to do something in the future. God wants to do something in the next few weeks. Forget what happened long ago. Don't think about the past. Don't cling to events or past or dwell on what happened long ago. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I like that one too. He's saying, you know what? It's not, it's, we need to think about the past, and do it, but I'm going to do, forget, that's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. It's nothing compared to what God is going to do. And verse 19, it says, I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth. I'm doing a new thing, it sprouts up. And this one is the one that jumped out at me the most. I am creating something new. There it is. Do you see it? I like that one. There it is. Do you see it? This morning when you're here in this place, something new, do you see what God is doing in your life? Do you see that hot air balloon blown up ready for takeoff? Do you see the sand tied to the edge where you're like, God, I don't really want to, but God, I want those dreams. God, I don't want to go after you. God, I don't want to know what you've called me, who you've called me to. Watch, I'm about to do something new with one other translation. You might be caught in the past or you might be living in the now and unable to drop those weights of the past. Today is fading into the future. We can't go back to breakfast. How many people ate breakfast? That's past, it's gone. Don't look back to the amazing breakfast that you had. And try not to think about the amazing dinner you're going to have or it'll make this message seem a whole lot longer. And, uh, but try to think of the future and getting together, that kind of stuff. It's your thoughts that will lay the foundation for your emotions, which will lead to your actions that will develop habits, defining your character and leading to the destiny ahead of you. Over all of that is the mercies of God. This morning, we are challenged to be renewed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Looking forward to see what God has been doing in renewing us in the physical, emotional, and in the spiritual, in the world around us. So the first thing this morning is to be new physically. How many people would like to be 16 again? How many people would just like to be 10 years younger, to be physically new? And that's a part of life. That's a part of who we are. That's a part of what we've been called to do. And we like, it's always nice to have a new house, right? You can flip to the next slide there, James. It's always nice to have a new house. It's always nice to have a new car. It's always nice to have that new baby and hold them in here. We've had a few babies over the last year that have been born that are just tiny. I don't see any of them here this morning. And everyone kind of like, oh, it's the cutest baby I've ever seen. And like the next baby, oh, that's the cutest baby I've ever seen. <laughs> that's the cutest baby I've ever seen. Uh, but we live in a world that has sin, death, and decay. Everything seems to go towards decay, right? Now, if you don't believe that, I'm going to get you all to stand. I'm going to pretend I'm in kids' church here now for a second because the kids are all getting bored and their activity packs are half done. So everybody stand to your feet. If you absolutely don't want to, you don't have to. I'm not forcing you to. If you're at home watching online, you can, we can, I have no idea whether you're standing to your feet or not, but we're going to find out. So they just did that jump, 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 jumping in, right? So we're going to jump 10 times. The first, the first if you're going to be physically new, is aerobic. 
So if you're going to bust a hip or something and we're going to have to call 911, don't do this. But uh, if you think you're at all capable, I'm probably going to be puffing after 10. And there's probably going to be a lot of people who are not going to be puffing after 10. So you ready? Here we go. One, two, three, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now for some of you, that was fairly easy because you're young and you only weigh like 40 pounds. 50 pounds. For some of you, you had to lift like 250 pounds off of planet Earth, and then it came back down, crushing down. So you don't get to sit down yet, but some of you could go on and do aerobic forever, right? And if we're going to be new physically, you need to focus on your body. If you want to be around there for your grandchildren, you need to be physically new. You need to be physically healthy, right? Muscle strength. If you're uh, standing beside a child, this is, works good, but if you're not, you're going to have a hard job doing this. I forgot to bring If you're standing by a child, I want you to turn to that child, and I want you to lift them up, okay? Here we go. Three, two, one. If you're standing beside a child, lift them up, and do it four or five times. Up, down, up, down. You can imagine being in your gym at home and pumping the weights, right? If you're going to be physically new, there you go. And then uh, the next one is bone strength, which basically is taking your vitamins and eating your vegetables. I have one daughter who's great at eating broccoli, but I don't eat broccoli very often, but she's very good at doing her, doing her, uh, doing her, ve- her vegetables and her vitamins. Okay, balance is the next uh, physical if you're going to be new physically. So you're going to count, you're going to count 30, but you got to stand on one foot. Okay, no touching the chair in front of you, no touching the person beside you. So everybody on one foot, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, thirty-four, thirty. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 30. There you go. You're still doing it. He's going to do it till the end of the service. And the rest of us are going to say, you go do that. Go ahead. And the last one, everybody turn this direction and uh, space yourself out a little bit. Flexibility. <laughs> Nobody peeking, touch your toes. Oh, I got him. <laughs> and uh, this, this doesn't count, okay? <laughs> uh, that's saw a couple of people saying, you know, they're going to touch. Okay, you can sit down. So physically new, if we make goals and we say, God, you know what, I want to be at my best to serve you for my best, then we need to be physically able to do that. And quite often we gravitate towards physical healing, but we don't always gravitate towards physical health, do we? I know lots of times I've sat down with the bag of chips and said, I know, God, you can heal me. (laughs) God, I know you can help me, right? But we don't always gravitate towards physical health. But in the Bible, it talks of physical health as well. And God does physically heal. Jeremiah 33, 6 says, Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to you. I will heal my people, and I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. If you want to enjoy being physically new, you have to put the effort in. You have to see the balloon and get rid of the sandbags, right? which maybe sometimes is getting rid of the chips and the chocolate bars and the second helpings at Thanksgiving. We had lots of second helpings, and maybe that's why sometimes I find it hard to get into this shirt that they gave me. But uh, 2 Peter 3.13 says, But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. 
We can't just leave the physical totally behind because God says he's going to make a brand new earth without any sin, a brand new heaven without any decay and without any death. So to be physically new, to be challenged this morning, to say, God, we want to be more, more energetic in our lives. I got a video that I'm just going to show before the second point here this morning. The new year is often a time of reflection. The new year is often a, a time of reflection. Past 365 days, a chance to look back on the past 365 days. Sometimes the memories and remember. bring a smile. And other times, sometimes the memories bring a smile. And other times, they break our hearts. This past year. Chances are you've experienced a bit of both this past year. The new year is also a time to look ahead. The new year is also a time to look ahead. To scan the horizon. To imagine what could be. To scan the horizon with expectation. And seek God's guiding hand. It's a time to strive for better. To live louder who God has created us to be. It's an opportunity for new beginnings. A chance to start fresh, to pursue God with a renewed passion, and to press on with all our hearts. The truth is, God has been faithful this past year, and that faithfulness promises to carry us through the next. As the new year begins, may we remember this one simple truth. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Sometimes we don't show them. But there's a girl that was born in Russia. Her name was Sophia, and she was born in Siberia, which is kind of a rough place to grow up to start out with. Uh, but she was also an orphanage, and she lived in an orphanage, and she was two years old, and she had kind of a hard life and a kind of a rough life. And, uh, but she was all of a sudden, at that age of two, uh, adopted sight unseen from a family from the United States in Arizona, from Laura Collins. And this lady adopted her, and her life, Sophie's life, went from two years old in an orphanage in Siberia, in Russia, to living in Arizona and living in the United States. And she started going to school. She went to school, and at a certain age, she entered a contest that 10,000 people entered. And 10,000 people put in essays and put in comments and put in things, and she ended up winning that contest. The contest was put on by Lego, the toy maker, and by the Planetary Society. And uh, out of the 10,000 applicants, she won. And they got her to uh, an all-expense trip paid to the Space Center at Florida, and Florida Kennedy Space Center. And when they got her there, they asked her to read a part of her essay, and this is what it said. It said, I used to live in an orphanage. It was dark and cold and lonely. A lot of emotions. At night, I looked up at the sparkly sky and felt better. I dreamed I could fly there. In America, I can make all my dreams come true. Thank you for giving me the spirit and the opportunity. And of those of you that remember Paul Harvey, if it was Paul Harvey, he would do a very dramatic pause. And now, for the rest of the story, he would say, 
Now, in 2004, when she wrote this essay, on, and just after she wrote the essay, on January 3rd and 21 days later, on January 24th, two Mars rovers landed for the first time on Mars. And the contest Sophie had won was to name those two rovers. And in 2004, two little robots named Spirit and Opportunity were successfully exploring the planet of Mars. These two emotions were experienced by a small two-year-old in an orphanage in Siberia. And when she looked up to the stars, she saw opportunity. And all of us have emotions this morning. All of us have opportunities to be sad and be depressed and have a bad day and lose a job or whatever it might be. And, uh, but all of us have emotions that are on the upside as well, where we're like, God, you know, that was a good day. That was excellent. And you might not live in an, or- in an orphanage in Siberia, but maybe you're newly married Or maybe you're here this morning and you're just going through a broken marriage. Maybe you're holding your child for the first time or celebrating their first birthday. Or maybe you've stood beside the graveside of a child that you've lost. Maybe you're here experiencing Christmas in Canada for the very first time and possibly you're excited about that. Possibly minus 40 doesn't really excite you and maybe it's on the other side of the emotional spectrum. But it could be that this is the first Christmas where you're sitting around the Christmas tree and there's an empty chair. Sorry. Shouldn't speak on emotions, right? There's an empty chair beside you that was always filled by a loved one or by a spouse. Maybe you lost the loyalty of a business partner, or maybe you started a brand new business that's thriving and going better than you ever could expect. Maybe you're watching online and you're a new mother that's going through very hard times and a single mother, and you're experiencing emotional wear out, burnout, and you just need some support. Maybe you're a soldier watching online or here this morning that has come back from a war, but you're sitting in a Your home and some of your comrades are laying in a grave that didn't make it back. All of those are very real experiences. Very exciting, very excellent, very fun, very joyful experiences, but also on the other side, very broken, very hurting, very hard times to go through, and very emotional. There's always been a focus on intelligence, IQ, But over the last 10 years or so, they've really started focusing on EI, emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence is defined as the ability to understand and manage your own emotions, as well as recognize the influence those emotions have on those around you. Now, they might clinically put it that way, but I think God speaks into our hearts and into our lives too. And many times through the Proverbs, you read tons of scriptures. I'm going to read a few of them in a couple of minutes, where God wants to use your emotions, not just your intellect, And we want to say, God, renew my emotions. God, renew the inside of who I am. The first one that is defined is self-awareness, recognizing and understanding your emotions, what you're feeling and why, as well as appreciating how that affects those around you. Second one is social skills, people skills. Third, sorry, second one is empathy, feeling what others feel, motivation, the will to make a difference, self-regulation, being in control of those emotions, and fifth, social skills, people skills. They're finding that people that are really smart are great, 
But people that can understand their emotions and can deal with some of this kind of stuff, and you're aware of yourself, you have empathy for other people, and you can understand how your emotions are affecting other people, which is all based in coming out of Proverbs, a lot of that stuff, right? And a couple verses this morning, Psalms 34, 18, that says the same thing. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God isn't walking away from that. God is walking towards that. God isn't removed from that. God is in that. Proverbs 29, I could read 100 probably scriptures out of Proverbs, but one I picked was, A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Sometimes guys, we're a little more uh, in, in that category where we just want to kind of blow up, right? Blow up, what's that? I can't think of it. Blow up and move on or whatever. There's some, some saying, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, but God says, you know what? If you're in control of your emotions, you're going to go a lot further in life. And maybe this morning you're here and you're saying, God, I just need you to renew my emotions. I need you to bring them to a new place. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. But this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do they know? Do they know that you are a disciple of Christ? Or have they seen your emotions react and go off the edge and fly off the handle and they're like, ooh, that guy goes to church, doesn't he? Or do they know that you care for them, that you love them, that you've been hurt, but you've taken that hurt and saying, God, renew my heart. God, take that brokenness, take that pain. God, your word says that you are close and you are near to the brokenhearted. One more video that I'm going to show this morning, partially just to help keep the kids' attention if they're starting to fall asleep there and you're running out of snacks in church, and then we're going to do one more point and we're going to finish off with communion this morning. But you can go ahead and play that last video. I think this is the best part of the service to say, Happy New Year! Woo! Spiritually new. Does God still transform lives today? Yes, 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 yes. 
God changes hearts. God changes lives. He renews us physically, and we take the chance to do that. He renews us emotionally, but to be renewed spiritually, to on January 1st, 2023, to maybe for the first time ever say, God, I surrender. I give you my life. It's a brand new year. It's a brand new day. I'm starting over. Nicodemus said, can I go back into my mother's womb? And he said, no, you can't, but you can be new. You can start over. It can be a brand new transformation. And it might not just be that, not just the headlines, not just reading the newspaper, not just reading your Bible, not just reading the scriptures of testimonies and stuff, but something that comes from the inside. And I couldn't help but think of the illustration of the caterpillar to the butterfly. The caterpillar had something inside of it, right? We are created with the image of God stamped on every single life, no matter where you are, who you are, where you're from, what you've done. That image is created. And I remember Bill Hybels once taking a a vase on the stage and saying it was beautiful, but somewhere along the way it has been smashed, and he smashed it all over the floor. And that has been broken. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we could be fulfilled in the dreams that he's placed in our hearts. So that spiritually we could be renewed, that we could be different, that we could be changed. We often fight so hard, and I do it, and you do it too, and we all do it. We fight so hard to not do the things we shouldn't do. And we think, I shouldn't do that, and I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But Galatians, something inside of us compels us. And Galatians 5, 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I could unpackage all of that for an hour here, but you're going to have to. You've heard it so many times, it probably went in one ear and out the other ear. But if you can think of those and put those all into your head and into your heart and into your spirit, and then think of the Trans-Canada Highway. You're driving down the Trans-Canada Highway, And I'm guessing pretty much everybody in this place has done it. The speed limit used to be 100, right? And everybody remember when it was 100? And going 102 was impossible, right? So they changed it up to 110. And oh, yeah, well, now I can do my 102. No, we're creeping up to 111, 112, 115, 120. Do I hear 130? 140? I always, no, I won't say it. When I was growing up, not anymore, not anymore. I've been changed. I've been renewed. Uh, we, we, we constantly want to kind of push the edge, right, and go a little bit faster, go a little further. But we know I shouldn't be doing this. If I get stopped, I'm going to get a ticket, right? But then you take that same person, you stick him out. Uh, who can I use? I'll use Stephen just because he's sitting there. Stephen's on the Trans-Canada driving, you know, 110. He probably drives 119, right? 100, no, 100, 109. He's going, shh. And we take Stephen, and instead of putting him on the Trans-Canada Highway, we stick him into the Indianapolis 500 with his 15-passenger van. And all these cars are whipping past him, right? And he's like, whoa, 150 is too fast, right? I forgot to look up, but I think the average speed is like between two and 300 miles per hour or something like that in the Indianapolis 500. And all of a sudden, you're pulling back, right? And that's a part of what Galatians is about. It says there is no law against it. Go as fast as you want in the spiritual acts of love, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, of self-control. Go for it. Love as hard as you can. Be as patient as you possibly can. Be as joyful as you possibly can. Do all of it for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creature has come. The old is gone, the new is here. 
1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Romans 5.17 says, Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. So also we may walk in the newness of life. Spiritually this morning, you can walk in the newness of life. You can say, God, my week has been this. God, my year has been this. God, my life has been this. But I invite you this morning to speak into that and to take that. I was speaking at uh, something just this week, and I talked about, you know, it's great to, great to read a biography because you get to read the whole thing and find out how it goes. But it's not so great to live it sometimes. One of the best examples is Joseph, right? I mean, he was the favorite child. Oh, great season. And then his brothers hated him. Ooh, bad season. And then his brothers sold him into slavery. Ooh, bad. And then he got second in command in Egypt. Ooh, that's pretty good, right? I'd like to live here for a while. Then he got put in jail and falsely accused. Oh, life's not very good anymore, right? And he gets lifted out and gets put up in command again and goes from there. And our biography is just kind of up and down like this, right? But God is in it. God is working through us. A transformation, a change of heart, No longer I have to, I should, I need to. No longer, what about me? How will this benefit me? No longer, I really want to do this, but I know it's wrong and I shouldn't. Not now from my innermost being, being changed, being transformed spiritually to the place where we can live a life that blesses others. And we can say, I get to be patient I get to have self-control. I get to bless other people. I really want to do this, and I should, because it's right. And having that change of heart, change of spirit, a new creature, a new heart, a new, a new attitude where all of life is no longer just filtered through this world, but it's filtered through the world of eternity. It's filtered through the rewards of heaven. It's filtered through sacrificing my life here now for others so that they can be benefited and so that I can see them in heaven. My thoughts are leading to my emotions, leading to my actions, leading to my habits, leading to my characters, and leading to my destiny. And I'm going to finish with one last story. And you can put the next slide up there. And I'm going to, it's, it's page long. I'm going to read it. And I know that's kind of bad for speaking in front of people. But it's such a great story that I don't want to miss any part of it or kind of shortchange it. Um, but this is pictures of, when I first read the story, sometimes you read stories and illustrations and stuff. And you're like, eh, is that really real? I probably spent quite a bit of time reading this story in newspaper articles and that kind of stuff. And it was put in quite a few places. That's the actual person who receives the new heart in the pictures there. Uh, It was March 18th. Leanne tried not to think about the fact that Melvin would have been 39 today. The face of the man driving the van flashed in her mind. She tried not to feel anger. Once more, the scream of brakes, the crash, and then the silence replayed itself in her memory. She thought of the whispers in Melvin's ear through the maze of tubes and machines, words that she could only hope he somehow had heard, Leanne remembered having to tell her two boys about the nightmare and trying to support them in their grief as she struggled with her own. She remembered the sound of the blades whipping through the evening sky as the helicopter carried Melvin's organs to others whose very life depended on his final gift. Who were they? Would she ever get to see them? The recipient of Melvin's heart had written twice through the agency. Leanne had finally found the courage to answer, and admitted that she longed to hear that beautiful heart beat again. 
There is no way she could have known that at that very moment, John Meinhardt and his wife Jan were signing release forms to reveal their identity to the donor family. John's head swam with memories too. He could almost feel the mix of terror and elation hearing the nurse's casual statement that a heart had been found. He wanted to live so much, but he had struggled with guilt, knowing that for him to live, someone else would die. He remembered the nurses walking away and his wife, Jan, slipping under the covers and holding him. She had kissed his heart goodbye. Together, they had prayed for the doctors and their future and surrendered the outcome to God. Later that night, a small light appeared in the evening sky and soon the roar of whipping chopper blades. Jan remembered the tears watching the blue igloo cooler being lowered from the helicopter. And carried it into the hospital on a dolly. She had stopped. The survival flight team and dropped to her knees and kissed the cooler. She prayed with their children for the success of the surgery and for the family of the donor. And now John was signing the papers to meet the family that so many times he had wrapped in gratitude. Soon John and Leanne were choking back tears as they spoke on the phone. When can we meet, John asked. How about in an hour at Latina's Pizza, Leanne replied. An hour later, Leanne laid her head, and that's the picture that's in the screen there, laid her head on John's chest and heard that heart she had loved for so long, Melvin's heart, the heart which had given new life to John. Spiritually today, Jesus was born in a manger. He died on a cross for our sins. He rose from the grave so that his heart could be passed on to us. And you might be in need of a spiritual renewal this morning where you need a heart transplant. And instead of listening to that heart of yours that's selfish and that's hurting and that's broken, you're saying, God, Spiritually, could you transplant your heart into mine so that I would be changed and that when people put their head figuratively on my chest, it wouldn't be my selfish heart they would hear, but it would be the heart of Christ living in and throughout the church and the body of Christ. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. This morning we have the chance in the next few seconds to just say, God, I've made commitments before physically. God, emotionally, I need to be touched by you. But even more than that, spiritually, God, can you change my heart so it's no longer I should? But God, something inside of me says, I get to. God, I will. God, I'm going. God, I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I should do it and because it's right. I'm going to love like I've never loved before. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be self-controlled. God, I'm going to give it all to you. The verse that I read at the beginning in Isaiah says, Remember not the events of the past. The things of long ago consider not. See, I am doing something new. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and a river in the desert. 
God says, I'm creating something new. There it is. Do you see it? Dennis Schramm's going to come and join me on the stage, and he's going to lead us in communion in a few minutes. And we're just going to take a few seconds while he's coming and just bow our heads and pray together. And just ask that God would take our lives and that dream that he has placed, that image that he has placed into that hot air balloon for an image that's all ready to take off. And God, we're just saying, you know what, God, these things I need to remove. God, I need to let go of this. I need to let go of that. Or you might be here this morning and you might have never given your heart to Christ. And this morning's the morning you're going to do it. And you're just going to say, God, in the silence of this moment, I ask you to do a heart transplant and to change who I am to a new creation, a newness of life. So God, once again, we come to a new year that many of us have been around this corner many times. And God, some of us have made uh, New Year's resolutions and God, some of us have kept them. And God, it's something about it is just a time of reflection, but also a time of looking forward. And God, in Isaiah, you just told them as they were living in captivity in Babylon, you said, I'm about to do something new. And God, in our church, in our family, God, in all of us, Lord Jesus, Father, I just pray that you will take our hearts and our lives, and God, that physically we would be renewed, God, that we would have the strength and longevity of life to live the calling that you've put on our, our, our lives and our spirits, and God, that we would physically be able to do those things, and God, emotionally, Lord Jesus, Father, we wouldn't be a walking time bomb. But God, we take our emotions and say, God, we want them once again to be renewed from you. And God, maybe we've gone through a season where we've lost loved ones or we've started a new business. Or God, we take all of that, Lord Jesus, and once again, we just relate it and give it to you and just ask you to fill our hearts with those emotions. And God, not to deny them, but God, to walk with them. God, you gave us those emotions. And God, if there's people here this morning, God, and even if people are just renewing their commitment spiritually to you and saying once again, maybe my heart has kind of turned a little bit to this way or that way, but God, I want to once again be filled with the heart of Christ. God, I once again be a part of the body of Christ. God, I once again be at work, Lord Jesus, and Father, people will be able to look at me and say, you know what, that's a disciple because of their love, because of what they do, because of how they act, because of how they treat me. And God, that heart would come from within us and God, it would be the same heart that you had when you left heaven and came to this earth and gave of yourself so that we could be free. And God, it would be something that comes from the spirit, that comes from within us, that we are new, new Lord Jesus, Father, and that newness of life is something that comes from inside us and it's something that we want to do. God, it's something that we desire to do because we know it's right. So Father, we give you the honor, we give you the glory in this place. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.